to another episode of SoCal Watch Reviews, episode 14. Starting off season two, we got uh, we got our friend uh, all the way from India. We got Fred uh, from Shaluso, and of course, we got P on the line. Guys, good morning. Yeah. Uh, or, yes, yeah, mor- morning, yeah. good afternoon. Uh, how you guys doing? Good, good. Doing great, doing great. Awesome. How are the uh, holidays uh, treating you? Cold. Terrible as usual. <laughs> Terrible as usual. I hate this time of season. Uh, I just hate it because it starts to get cold. Yeah. I can't stand the cold. I want summer to be back. <laughs> right, right. Now, cold, uh, I, I don't want to ask P how cold because he's in Ohio. It's cold as balls over there. I mean, it's just, it's snowing right. and everything. But what about you, Fred? How, what, what do you mean by cold? How cold does it get uh, in India? Let me check because I have, like, no, temp- no concept of temperature. So I oh, perfect. Okay. It. <laughs> he's awesome with time and he could tell all, all kinds of things with time but he doesn't know the temperature oh, I have like I know that like in like Celsius I know that 40 is extremely hot I know that zero is freezing that's pretty much my concept of temperature <laughs> so right now it is I'm checking it is apparently 54 degrees Fahrenheit mm. oh, no, wait. One, that ain't that ain't cold For one, second, one second no my bad my, one <laughs> second one second now Pete you need to understand that Fred, he's lived everywhere, but one of the places he's right. lived in was Florida. So, I mean, come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, no. Florida, I must have been there and never fucking got cold. Like, <laughs> there, like, there, I would have to put on a jacket for the AC in winter. That was about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I believe it. I believe yeah. it, man. No, it's, it's been getting kind of cold here in California, too. But, I mean, people laugh because I'm like... Well, how cold is it? Well, you know, it's in the in the sixties or or fifties. It lasts, you know what I mean. I mean, it does get in the thirties sometimes in the high thirties, but that's like in the night when everybody's sleeping. But yeah, here where I'm at, it it doesn't snow or anything. So. The funny thing is, is that like, because I think like the last properly cold place I lived in was Spain, and they're like, you know, it gets probably below freezing and you know it snows and all that. I feel the same right now as I did when it was like freezing cold in Spain. So, like, mm-hmm. I think my body just adjusts and decides that this is the cold temperature of where I'm at. So, I'm just going to feel cold. <laughs> <laughs> no, you now see, it was it was ridiculous here. It was like one day it was like, I think, uh, Monday, Tuesday, it was like 59 degrees, right? And then the next day it just dropped down to 20. Oh, like wow. That. That's that's pretty insane. Now, how in Ohio, how, how, how is it compared to, like, Chicago? Because I've been... To Illinois, when it's like Chicago is way cold. Oh my God, man! Way cold. From, uh, I'm I'm a guy that's it's always terrible. I've always lived in kind of this kind of climate, California, basically, you know. And Mexico is very similar to here. Like it was, it wasn't crazy, but I had to go for work one day in December. Oh my goodness! I, I had so many layers, and I had a scarf and a, and a beanie. And when that wind hits you, boy, and you're walking down the street, you feel like you want to cry <laughs> you're like how do people live like this it doesn't make any sense like just even looking out the window and it's not it's like oh it's beautiful but oh crap i'm gonna have to be walking and driving and that like no thanks <laughs> I, take me back to california please uh <laughs> man i don't know how you do a pee but uh but okay 
What are you guys wearing? Let's start off. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, I got on Seiko hmm. SNE 03 now. Hmm. Seiko 5? Nah, solar. The solar. Okay, cool. How yeah. long have you had it for? About two years. No problems, Something no like issues yeah. whatsoever. Battery yeah. strong. No problems, no. Yeah, everything good. Just did you change the strap on that bad boy? Or? I just changed it back over to the, uh, the stainless steel bracelet. I had a black NATO on it. So look at P. He wearing the stainless you know. steel bracelet during uh during these uh, cold uh cold times. <laughs> mm-hmm. Make sure that thing doesn't like yes, freeze and like stick to you or something like that. Nah, I... nah it's all good. Cause I'm indoors most of the time anyway, so Yeah. All right, it's cool. You know. Fred. Yeah. I am wearing my Cartier Pasha C timer again. Haven't Ooh. worn it for a few weeks, but it still feels amazing, even though I've had it like August, so now about three months. It still feels like brand new. I love it. Fancy. Mm. <laughs> he's our he's our fancy friend, P. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I just threw on um, a, a big, big boy here. It's the Casio G-Shock. It's the mm. I don't know the reference number. P, help me. This is a military style one. This is it the DW one hundred? One hundred. A one one A yeah like something that. like that. Now sorry for yeah. not remembering my references. I hardly wear this guy. Now I need to yeah. put out a video. I actually did a video, but it came out terrible, so I have to reshoot it. I actually so this is a big watch, right? It's in like the fifty something millimeter range, and I I really got it. My mom actually got it for me last year for Christmas or a birthday or something because she's like, "What do you want?" And this watch was like fifty bucks on Joma Shop. And you got, like, a free little travel case. So I'm like, yeah, that's a pretty good deal, right? So I told my mom. She was cool with it. So it's all blacked out. It's kind of like a digi digi analog or digi whatever. And uh, so I, I, I picked it up. And I, I wear it rarely, only when we go hiking or something. It's just a monster, right? I mean, it's, I'm not used to these kind of watches. But Miguel and all his uh, thinking uh, glory or whatever, thinking I'm so smart. I'm like, you know what? It may taper down a little bit more if I throw it on a NATO strap. But unfortunately, as you guys know or don't know, <laughs> for G-Shocks, you need end links, like special end links. Um, so I've been mm. looking, so since I bought it, I've been looking at the end links from Casio and they're expensive. I'm like, okay. So That's I paid, where they get you. I, well, it's like you pay 50 bucks for the watch, which you're like, oh, okay, cool. But those little end links are like over 20 bucks. I'm like, why would I spend 20 bucks on some end links when I still have to buy a NATO strap? So I didn't buy it. I just kind of went the whole year. And, I, you know, I'm always mm. on eBay, you know, selling, buying, whatever. And I came across a Chinese company that had these for $9 with the tool and with spring bars included. I'm like, I guess I'll give them a shot. I mean, it's 9 bucks, you know. I got to say, I got it, and I was pretty impressed. I was like, this looks pretty legit, you know. So, anyways, I threw it on, and then I got a, a of course, a Black Friday. I ended up picking up a, a NATO strap from uh watch gecko spoiler alert that's kind of one yeah. of my picks for what we're going to talk about today but uh man the quality on this thing is crazy so i ended up picking up this nato strap uh with the black pvd coating on the on the little um keepers i picked it up for like five bucks not kidding mm. and it came in a really nice package so anyways i made a video you know changing everything it wasn't as easy as i thought it was going to be i put it on and because it's watch decides to sit kind of like at an angle now the thing sits even higher with the nato straps i'm like 
oh, that's great. I just uh, <laughs> had to spend that kind of money. I mean, it, was, it wasn't a lot, but I spent that kind of money thinking it was going to be a little bit more flesh to my wrist and not so big. And now it looks a little bigger. But I do have to say that it does look more military and like more badass. So I kind of feel cool wearing mm. it. But uh, yeah, that's that's my wrist check for today. I don't think I'll keep it on the whole day. I just wanted to kind of give it a little love. Is this kind of sitting there by itself, you know? collecting dust so <laughs> right on yeah man so today what are we going to talk about it's uh it's almost christmas right it's uh friday the 13th today so we're, we're talking scary movies no i'm just kidding <laughs> we're we're talking uh what are, what are we talking pete what are, what's the topic today uh well we're gonna pick um some great christmas gifts for you mm-hmm. guys you know um primarily uh some great watches absolutely you know what I mean? Um, and I guess I could start it off. And watch accessories, right? Because that's kind of what we, we talked about. It's like, hey, why don't we uh, each pick, what is it, three watches? Three watches and three, like watches three, and yeah, three, accessories. three accessories. So, um, so yeah. Uh, P, why don't you uh, start us off? See, see what you got. All right. I kind of got a mixture of crap. And I kind of didn't go outside of how much my most expensive watch oh, is. Okay. So, uh, and I got a kind of a mixture. So, um, my first pick is a uh, vintage 1966 Timex Marlin. Mm. Um, great watch, K size 33 millimeters. Um, with the lugs, I think it's 39 millimeters. Uh, with a silver dial, brown leather strap. It's on eBay right now. You can buy it out right now for $90, which is a great price for this watch, but the starting bid. It's sixty nine bucks. Wait, so is it, so you're talking people could get this vintage or brand new? Vintage. This is vintage. Is this the nineteen sixty? And this is the automatic version. Yes. Holy smokes! Yes. Wow. Yes. Wow. Automatic. Yeah. That's a great. They say it's watch. waterproof. They say it's waterproof, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't chance it. But that's what they say. But I think this is like a great buy. You know what I'm saying? Especially for, for the dude, you know, who who's really into watches like we are, who may not have a vintage piece yeah. or a classic piece. You know what I Absolutely. mean? Absolutely. So yeah. that's my first pick. My second pick is a Hamilton Khaki King Automatic. Mm, great choice. Reference reference number H six four four five 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 three three. Swiss made. Um it has a Hamilton Calibrate H forty. With a power reserve of eighty hours, that's really good. And that's case. And that's uh, hackable as well, right? And uh, you can yes. wind it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. Is that the day day? Yeah, one? Uh, it is right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, case size forty millimeter, brushed stainless steel, and it also has a display back. Mm. All right, and that comes in at a whopping three hundred and forty nine dollars. The cheapest I found was on Joma Shop. And then that's a great for people out there listening. This is a great entry into the Swiss um, uh, watch industry. That and Tissot, actually, too. So Tissot and Hamilton have some great pieces. Right. Cool. Third pick. What do you got? And I went a little cheaper on this one because this is like a dad's watch. You know what I'm saying? Like, if it's also, it could be for watch enthusiasts, too. I want to get one personally. But it's the Casio World Time. Oh, cool! Yeah, you know I mean, Casio, um, the Royale, right? The the right. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. 
Yeah, it comes in a black or silver finish. Um, the cheapest I found, I think I found the black version with the resin on Amazon for fifteen bucks. Yeah, and you uh, know that, it, but it's it's pretty cool. It actually comes with a stainless steel bracelet if you could get it that way, right? I mean, I heard right. it sucks, yeah. but uh, <laughs> yeah, but it's but that one's between twenty and twenty five dollars. Oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. So, break the bank yeah. there, Frank. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> break it, break it. <laughs> you know, um, it's a classic though. You know yeah. what I mean. So, you know, those are my three picks. Those are great picks. I man. didn't. I ain't want to really give. You see, I leave the the good shit up to free. <laughs> you know I, I I know I know he got. I know he's about to drop. Oh bomb. yeah, he's a <laughs> royal oak. You know, Vasher. <laughs> right. Yeah. I know. No, no. Yeah, I so. I have kept this conservative. No, Fred, okay. Fred actually picked all Invictus. <laughs> he okay. wants to throw a curveball at us. <laughs> okay, maybe oh, so. <laughs> so what you got for your uh what you got for your accessories there? Uh my first accessory is a Versa automatic watch winder. Mm, okay. All right. Um it comes in at a whopping thirty nine ninety five. You know what I mean? It's on uh, buywatchwinders.com. Okay. Okay. Um, my second accessory is, we was talking about coach earlier, is a coach uh, three-case watch holder. What? Watch Ooh. roll. Yeah. Yeah. And you could get that actually at the coach outlet. No way. For, 40, for $49.99. Wow. You know what Very I mean? Cool. And then I have like an assortment of leather straps that you could get off of Amazon, uh, starting at nine ninety nine. You know right. what I mean? All colors. You know, so. And this would be Barton watch bands on Amazon. Wow, that's so, good picks, man. Yeah, bravo, Fred. So, what do you guys? So. What are you guys' thoughts on watch winders? Ah, I knew you were going to say that. Well, I'll, I'll let people go. Uh, I don't have one. Like, no, I don't have one, but I mean, I've heard negatives and I heard positives. Uh, I really want to get one to try one out. Hopefully, that's what my wife gave me for Christmas. <laughs> I know she in there listening. So, uh, uh, why you pick, you speak know. louder, P. Speak louder. <laughs> Watch Winder. Is that what you want for Christmas, P? <laughs> no, nah, no, nah, I'm just. Nah, she better give me something good. I know that much. Dang. Well, honestly, <laughs> yeah. my take on them, I don't own one, and I was about to get one when my first watch collecting thing started, because number one, we all got to admit, even the haters got to admit that it looks cool. Cool as yeah, hell, especially if you're, yeah, man, if you're a watch collector and you got that thing in the back and you got maybe a few, or just one, I mean, it looks so cool, but... I'm very weird with my watches, and I'll give you guys an example of why I'm weird. Now, number one, I keep all my, because I know there's going to be people talking about moisture or whatever. I keep my watches in a watch box, in the closet, away from where I take a shower. So there is no steam. There is nothing coming on in this room. Furthermore, I actually threw those little um, gels that come with a lot of, like, the shoes and stuff, the moisture. Oh, the silica gels? They said, yep, I have those in my watch box just for safe measure. And what I do with my watch, especially the quartz ones, I always pull the crown out because I typically don't wear them. So I just don't want to waste my battery. I'm frugal like that. I don't want to keep them running. 
And then for all my automatic ones, I, I wind them every once in a while just to make sure the lubricants don't dry up or whatever. But I'm of the belief almost like with a car, right? The more you keep running it, the more miles you put on it. And it's like, I really don't want to, I don't want to overwork the movement. Now, if I had like a perpetual calendar, sort of crazy complication, I, I understand that that's like a pain in the ass to, uh, to reset or whatever. So that's where a watch winder would really come in handy. But even with my most basic Seiko SKX cost me less than 200 bucks. I baby that thing. I, 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 I treat all my watches from the cheapest $15 Casio that I have to the Speedmaster. I treat them all with love, with respect, because that's the way that I've always treated everything. So I feel that by putting them in a watch winder, it looks cool, but I feel like I'm kind of damaging the watch. I'm kind of like overworking it when in reality it shouldn't be overworked. That's my opinion though. So, but I don't hate against mm. them. I mean, it's cool as your watch. I mean, whatever, you know, I just feel that you're going to need a service sooner than me. That's, that's just basically, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, it makes sense. I'm what still am- not sure. Like for me, jury's still out on them, but I don't think I'd ever really get one unless like same thing on the side, like a, perpetual calendar or like a complete calendar something that's a pain in the ass to set every time it runs off you know what i would like to mm. do just because i know people that come to my visit me and whatever they don't know anything about watches i will get a watch winder and either a put a manual wine only watch in there or a quartz watch <laughs> <laughs> Be like, yep that's that's uh wine in itself right there oh cool wow have y'all never seen the movie um the devil's double it's no. about um, Saddam no. Hussein's son. There's one crazy scene. I won't spoil the movie, but like this one guy, he's like meant to be like um, the body double for Saddam Hussein's son. So like they give him this like crazy apartment with all his like nice clothes and all that shit. And he opens a drawer and the whole drawer is like watch winders, but facing upwards. So like as he pulls it out, they're all like turning around and they're all like, you know, Rolexes and all that. That would be cool. That would be really mm. cool. Have you have that kind of money? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow, very good movie as well, but very intense. I, I guess it really comes down to uh, to money, right? I mean, if you have that kind of money to be servicing watches all the time and you don't care, hell yeah, go ahead and get a damn watch winder for every one of your. Just fill up your damn. wall with those things. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I just saw that image in my head, yo. Just how dope that would look. Can you imagine, mm. and they were all like rotating wow. in sync and everything. Ooh, what? Wait. That's crazy. Yeah. Mm-mm-mm. So, Fred, what you got? So, all right. So, um, so I decided that I was going to go sort of Christmassy themed for these watches. So, mm-hmm. you know, going with like, you know, the decorations, colors and all that. So obviously <laughs> we know that the main colors for Christmas is usually red and green. So for my red watch, I have a uh, JLC Reversal Tribute. Uh, but it comes with a burgundy mm. dial and this beautiful Casa Faliano um, sort of red burgundy leather strap. It is so nice. It's, I think it's a boutique exclusive. You can barely find it on Chrono 24. But if you go on the JLC website, you can find it. And that is $7,650. Um, but it is so nice. And there are not a lot of mm. like red watches out there. Or like red dial watches. This one, like the dial is beautiful. Like I've seen the blue version of it. And it's insane the way like the color changes. So I can imagine what the red one would be like in person. That's insane. That's insane. Mm. Yeah. That's Fred's uh, answering machine. You call the Invicta (laughs) Corporation. I knew it, Fred. I knew it. (laughs) We've got to pay for these somehow. 
That's a good Gotta pick, move man. some more Invicta. You know, good margins. Good margins. <laughs> All right. Next, moving mm, on mm, to the mm. green, I have the um, Bentley Breitling Premier B01. Ooh. Ooh. And again, like this one has a really, really nice strap as well. It's this green, but it has like the cross, the sort of diamond style cross stitching on it. Um, very, very sort of Bentley style. But also, obviously, it's, you know, a Breitling Premier. So it's got the B01 movement. It's automatic, 70 odd hours of power reserve. Nice two register layout. And a beautiful, this is like a dark sort of British racing green uh, dial, but it looks insane. And again, another one, mm. one is very hard to find, but I can imagine that in person it would be amazing. Um, What's the price on that guy? Got a nice little, nice little bit of class to it, and a little bit different from the usual like Navitimers everyone's used to seeing. Mm-hmm. And then last but not least, in the spirit of holiday cheer, you know, we need to get something shining, so a little bit of gold in there. Oh, sorry. That brightening, by the way, is eight thousand five hundred. Okay. And then, okay. Uh, obviously, the most conservative choice. I decided to go with a watch that was, uh, you know, very, very, very low key. Uh, the uh, Speedmaster Anniversary in Moonshine Gold, mm-hmm. the uh, one they just recently mm-hmm. released this year. Only fifty thousand um, dollars, right? <laughs> Thirty-four thousand six hundred. My oh, friend, okay. That is a bargain. Um, that one, like, I think that's one of the nicest anniversary models they've done. I actually saw a picture of it on Facebook, a nice close macro shot in uh, the UGWC, I think it was. I mean, it was Master Owners, one or the other. Um, and fuck, that dial and that gold is so nice because it's not like, it's not as dark as most yellow gold. It's sort of a little bit pale. So it looks really nice and looks really vintage, obviously, despite being modern. And it's got that nice little bit of red on it. But the movement for me is the crazy thing because it's like, it's, the traditional Moonwatch movement, but with all of Omega's like modern tech in it. Like That's it's cool. got the coactive, mm. it's got the meta certification, it's got the silicon balance spring. So that is like the coolest sort of combination of like, this is a watch that's pretty much what, 50, 60 years old, but it's brand new mm-hmm. and it looks nice. It's not going to have like a rickety bracelet or anything like the original. So that is, uh, that's sort of my third watch on the Christmas theme list, at least in terms of the colors, because they all embody the Christmas spirit, don't you think? They, they, they do. Right. I, I, I didn't know where Absolutely. you were going there with the red and green. I was like, is he going for my Mexican flag? I mean, what are we, <laughs> what are we doing here? I, I didn't think we were doing countries. I, no, <laughs> theme no, watches no. Today. For that, I'll wait till Mexican National Day, and then uh, for that, I'll do the same two watches, and then throw in that AP, uh, the ceramic mm. perpetual, the white ceramic one. I'll throw that when I need to get the Mexican flag in there. <laughs> all right all right sounds good and accessories what do you got okay so accessories so first off obviously it has to be straps um my strap of choice so you don't have to break the bank or be stupid like me and buy expensive oem ones um my (laughs) my strap of choice is actually the archer watch straps which come in at 20 bucks so i got Mm. i got this this is one of the first straps i got because i didn't know if i was gonna like nato straps so i thought all right before I, you know, like fork out the money for an OEM one, you know, I'll get one that's a little bit more affordable just to try it out. Um, the first batch I got, I don't even remember what what they were called, but they were like five bucks for like five for five straps. Those are pretty shit, but at least they told me that I like the style. So then I upped it a little bit to these Archer ones, and they're really, really nice. Like really, really sort of like silky material. I would say they. I'd say that's probably about like, you know, 70% as good as like the Omega one I have. 
Oh, really? 70 20 bucks? Yeah. Like, Whoa. the mm. strap material itself is really nice. So, like, a seatbelt? Um, yeah, it's the the seatbelt style. So, mm-hmm. um, you can get it. Yeah, I'm looking Amazon. at it now. It look good. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, obviously, uh-huh. like, you notice the difference in the hardware, but still, really, really right. good value for money and good quality for what you're paying. Um, they've got a bunch of different sizes, different finishes. You can get, like, the hardware um, black PVD, or you can get sort of uh, polished, a bunch of different colors and different sizes and all that. So definitely, yeah. definitely recommend that. It feels like a much nicer strap than what its price suggests. Wow. Okay. Uh, next is a watch case. Again, this is another one that I've actually bought, so I definitely recommend it. Uh, if you search on Amazon, it's called Yes Yescom Portable Four Slot PU Leather. Um, it's just got four slots. Seventeen bucks. Not exactly going to break the bank. Um, Again, you know, it's something that's really good as like a first watch case. I use it to travel a lot because it can carry all my watches and doesn't take up that much space. Um, easy to sort of slide into a suitcase or a bag or anything like that. And, you know, obviously it's you get what you pay for. It's not doesn't feel like ultra luxury or anything like that, but it gets the job done. I've had it for about a year. It hasn't gone wrong. And so for something that you try and sort of search from uh, price lowest to highest on Amazon for the last more than now a was year. That, is that wood? No, no, it's not wood. It's okay. It's I don't know what it is on the inside, <laughs> um, but it's like I think it's all just pleather, but durable. Okay. Pleather. <laughs> um, right, right. But yeah, nah, because I'm looking at one now. This wood. Oh yeah, like I looked on Amazon. Yeah, I looked at some of the wooden ones when I was first first buying, but I thought, all right, that's gonna weigh a little bit more, and also some of them had some pretty some pretty bad reviews. This one seemed to have good reviews, and I'm happy with it so far. Um, right. Definitely, at least until I find something that's, I guess, will maybe last longer. But this one, honestly, I don't feel like I'm missing out on it. I'd rather spend my money on the watches than, than getting a mad expensive watch case. Um, and then the last one is your basic uh, watch repair toolkit. So I got mine mm. for 17 bucks, and it came with pretty much everything. It came with a uh, spring bar tool, obviously. It came with this little hammer and pin mechanism for if you want to... Uh, change your bracelet if it has the pins and sleeves. A um, couple screwdriver ends if you want to resize your bracelets. It's got that little bracket for resizing a bracelet. It's got like a vice grip type thing if you want to um, open the back of your watch as well. And again, this one, just if you search on Amazon, this watch repair toolkit, um, it should show up. But yeah, really, really good doesn't take up too much space again like for me that's something i'm always conscious of because i travel so much so it's good having something that doesn't take up a lot of space and it comes with like five million um spring bars which is very (laughs) useful for when you have to for those times when you need a 10 millimeter spring bar (laughs) you never know like i don't know if i'm gonna throw away like half of them but like even even like keeping half trust me if you need a spring bar of any size i probably have it well, once you get your overseas, right, they come with an integrated bracelet, so it has a little spring bar, so you never know. Yeah, there we go. That's when I'll need it. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, thanks so yeah. Thanks a lot for taking two of my uh, other things, right? But... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So that's, Well, so... maybe you got a better deal than me. I know, but you know what? I, I got so many different watch accessories in mind that I could I could change them on the fly. I just I I, I love <laughs> I love watching things. I'm I'm addicted. I gotta admit something. I'm addicted to like not just watches, but anything watch related. 
I live on Houdinki, a blog to watch. I'm always on Instagram. I'm always on YouTube. So I'm on top of like new things and things that people are talking about. And I listen to a lot of uh, podcasts because I'm on the road a lot. So, uh, you know, Scottish watches, 10 and 2, two broke watch knobs, 40 and 20, uh, the Houdinki ones. Uh, I just recently started listening to the Grey NATO. So, <clears throat> Yeah, man. It's and I listen to ours as well, <laughs> just because I, I I like uh, listening back and, and yeah, no, it's it's a lot of watch talk. So it's that's, I learn a lot, you know. I learn a lot and it's cool. But uh, great picks, man. I both of you guys, dang. Yes, sir. I'm impressed. <laughs> what do you got, Miguel? Uh, are you guys ready for me? All right. So I went I went conservative on two, not conservative in, in regards to price, but something i don't i don't want to sound boring but it's something that it's you need to have in your collection at one point so let me start off with the with the oddball that just really caught my attention and that's coming via grand seiko so grand seiko i I, i've heard a lot of good things i never actually have the one in the metal but i i love seiko right i'm a seiko fanboy so owning a grand seiko would definitely be really cool right but i've never actually seen one that really really captures my attention until recently so they did the seasons collection for the united states and there's one model in particular that's it's the i'll give you the reference number it's the sbga 415 is what they call the winter it's for the for the for the winter and that dial is just stunning it has that mm. it's, it's supposed to mimic kind of like the snow i guess and the sun and goodness it's just so beautiful and it's uh has a shiratsu osaratsu uh, polishing it's titanium has a display case back of course it features that spring drive movement right that they have the 9r65 of course all sapphire it's 40 millimeters uh and the second hand is blue um i'm pretty sure it's blue steel um the only thing i don't like about grand seiko to be honest with you is the the power reserve in the front I really think they should move it to the back and it will make the front look so much better, so much more elegant. But nonetheless, sports models are, are, are very, the scarcity in the market right now with, with everything going on. But you can pick up this bad boy for like 6300 bucks. That's not mm. inexpensive at all. But for what you're getting, I guarantee that if this thing was like a Vacheron or an AP, it would be in the $20,000 range or something, you know? So I think Grand Seiko brings something different and brings value you know so that that particular model for me i, I recommend it i would love to hone that watch so that's that's my first pick right there um second pick classic omega speedmaster professional i love that watch one of my grails you can't go wrong brand new and i, I can't even believe this brand new you could pick them up for 5300 bucks i mean mm. the heritage that it has it comes I mean, I, I don't even have to describe it. People know what this watch is, right? It has a caliber 1861. It's manual wine, um, 42 millimeters. I mean, what else can be said? And I know that Omega, some people don't like it, but I think it's pretty cool. They send their stuff like in big boxes and with a bunch of like collectible stuff. I'm a sucker for collectible stuff. So for me, it's like, cool. Yeah, get me the watch and I want everything else with it, right? So that's pretty cool and then the last one of course I had to throw a rolex in there but i i went uh, 2019 of course date just 36 i was gonna go for the 41 but i'm like you know what if you have a 36 it's a little more versatile because then you could share it with your wife now i know there's a lot of talk especially 10 and 2 because there's two women running a podcast they they basically say that 
the basically the the whole watch world is kind of biased towards women and everything's targeted towards men, which I agree a hundred percent. And I don't think women should just be left with the 28 millimeter watches that are all, you know, uh, blinged out and look pink or whatever, because women like wearing different things, right? They like wearing Speedmasters, but for the most part, and I'm just speaking from personal experience from like my wife, when she gets one of my 42 millimeter watches or something, that's a little too big on her wrist. But when she looks at my Sarb or where's my Sarb, that's more like a what, 36, 38 and it fits her perfect. So I'm like, you know what? I'm thinking this is J- Datejust 36, Fluta Bessel. I love the Fluta Bessel, of course. Movement 3235, Jubilee, Cyclops, cost certified. Uh, it comes in oyster seal slash white gold combination. And I like the black dial. I just think it's so beautiful, right? And, and I don't know. I just, that does it for me. What do, what do you guys think of my, of my picks? Nay, yay, nay. Yay, great picks. Yeah, I think great, that's great a pick. really good selection. And one more thing about the 36 millimeter, um, they just and the same with the 36 millimeter day date. For some reason, Rolex does like all their fun dials on the 36 mil ones. So like you actually get a lot more variety both in like what's currently on sale and also like historically, like all those like roulette dials and all the like more interesting dials. They always do them on the 36. They don't do them on the 41s or the 40s or anything like that. So. There's a lot more fun I think you can have with a 36 just because of that, you know, and get something like really nice and unique. Yeah, no, for sure. The right. the only thing is the price, to be honest with you, and I didn't mention yeah. that is 8,200 bucks. So it's not going to be inexpensive. But just like P, you know, if anybody listening, if you want to go vintage, they just, I mean, you could they start off like around a little bit less than three thousand dollars, kind of around there, you know. Um, of course, it's not the same built quality is like a 2019 it's it's different but nonetheless it's a rolex um so yeah if you want to go vintage you're not going to be paid 8200 bucks but that those are my picks for for the three watches and then as far as accessories first i gotta recommend a man in his watch uh i have that book and it's super super cool the quality Mm. of the images is just amazing like 20 bucks on amazon i mean it it doesn't look and feel like a 20 dollar watch i mean a book it it feels a lot more expensive and the cool thing is it's like it's a watch geek you open it up i mean it's it's so cool just look it up online if anybody listening you want to pick something up for for that collector in your life believe me this is an amazing book and i know another one that just got released by Houdinki is a guide by Houdinki. Watches a guide by Houdinki. Uh, uh, Asseline, they they uh, partnered up with them. Amazing, amazing images from, from what I could tell. I mean, they got everything in there, but it's not um, it's not inexpensive. It's eighty five bucks. So to me, I don't know if I'll be picking that one up. Eighty five dollars is a lot of money for a book that I'm just gonna have here on display. But I would love to check it out. But it is a 261-page book, and it's uh, mm. it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Number two, let me see what I had on my list. So, of course, I got to go with straps. We all pick straps because when you become a watch collector and into watches, the cheapest way to get a new watch, we all know it, is changing the strap. There's just so many options out there. If you want to go cheap, I always go with cheapasnatos.com. Uh, That's just kind of my go-to because you could pick up some really inexpensive things and they actually have different qualities i i just picked up one i haven't received it because they take forever they're coming from sweden 
but it's kind of like a, a seatbelt style kind of single pass NATO. So I'm really excited to get that for my Speedmaster. I'm going to check it out. But yeah, the range on their website, if you go to the clearance section, it goes from $3. And the most expensive one you can get from them, I think, is 25 bucks or something. It's not, you're not mm. going to break the bank with them. Uh, if you buy more than three, they give you a discount. If you put a uh, SoCal watch or SoCal watches, I always forget, you get 15% off. That's kind of the deal we have with them. We don't get paid, but you guys get the benefit. Uh, also, a company that I love uh, is um, Watch Gecko. So Watch Gecko has amazing quality. Their packaging is incredible, too. I mean, the way they send it to you, everything is branded. Uh, attention to detail. All their NATO straps or Sulu straps, actually, in the back, they come with this tag, almost like your T-shirt. And it says where it's made. It has their brand. Everything is branded, and but it's a little bit more expensive. Um, they start off, you know, in the $15, $20 range and can go all the way up to like a hundred bucks, but the quality is it's second to none. And, um, another one, just like Fred said, you need tools because in order to put straps or take them off, you need tools, ton of them floating out on the internet, but I won't talk about that too much because Fred already talked about it. But one of the things that I love having here in my office and, and when I'm working and everything is watches on my wall because, if I don't have one on my wrist, at least I'm looking at one. And I like to kind of rotate them out because I just print them on the internet and I have these frames. So I have the Speedmaster. I have the Daytona right now, the Paul Newman. But I, I usually switch them out. But there's a company out there called Art of Horology. They're based out of uh, London, I think. They're in, they're in Europe somewhere. So they have some stock ones already for you. So if you go to the artofhorology.co.uk, so it's art dash of dash horology dot co dot uk they have some really cool prints so what this guy does i actually a married couple it's a it's, you know guy girl and uh the guy's a fanatic of watches so he started designing these things on the computer illustrator photoshop i don't know what he uses but he basically has the speedmaster the rolex gmt i mean he has a seiko skx the rolex mariner hulk uh and if you have a watch that's very unique to you, all he needs is like really good images and he'll make a print for you, like a custom made print for you. These guys start off at 18 pounds. Fred, I don't know how much of that is in dollars, maybe 20 something dollars, I guess. I think it's like, yeah, one and a half. So 18 something pounds, like that. maybe like 30 bucks, I think. I think so. And then also, also super cool. They sell t-shirts. So they have the movements, you know, they have the Caliber 861, they have the Luminor uh, Panerai t-shirt, Omega Speedmaster, Dark Side of the Moon t-shirt, uh, Rolex GMT Faded Bessel, t- I mean, it's in the Patek Philippe, uh, they have really, really cool stuff. Um, so if you're, if you're really, really into watches, this is the way to go, to be honest with you, just art, you know, people know, people know what's up when they come into your house, into your space. You don't even need to speak. They just need to look at the wand and admire those, those beautiful curves that uh, most watches have. So that's, those are my picks. Can I add an extra Sounds one? Sounds great. What's that? Yeah, absolutely. So this just occurred to me. I'm just looking at my coffee table right now. And this is probably the easiest and cheapest thing you can get for a watch guy. Catalogs. Because they're Ooh. free food. Yep, I have I have a blanc pan one mm. that I picked up in Hong Kong and a Breguet one I just got a couple weeks ago here in in India, and they are so nice, like and free. <laughs> yeah, they're mm. free. You just have to go look at a couple watches for like five minutes and say, "Oh, can I have a catalog?" And they'll give it to you. Mm. 
Like, it's, okay. it's the easiest gift you'll get for someone. Like, if you know someone who's into watches and you don't want to spend money, even be like 10 bucks or 5 bucks for a strap, get them a nice catalog. And I would imagine you could uh, probably go to the websites too and well, request yeah. them, right? I actually did that. So I went to all these websites to see who would offer a free catalog. And the only one that I found, well, there, there was another one that I kind of, who was it? I forgot, but I, I should be getting something in the mail from them. But the one that I actually just got, Omega. I went to the Omega website, requested a free catalog. It took a little bit to get, maybe over a little bit over a month. But uh, yeah, I got it. It's amazing. Amazing. And mm. it's free. Yay. So yeah, Fred, good one. <laughs> if it's free, it's for me. Hell yeah. yeah. Absolutely. But and let's they move make on. great coffee table books. Oh, they do. They do. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, let's move on to, we have a ton of things to cover, and we're almost one hour in, guys, so holy smokes, how did that happen? But one of the big, big stories right now is that Marlon Brando watch, that Rolex GMT Master that just sold at Phillips for $1.9 million. Um, so, of course, this watch, for all of you that don't know, it was Marlon Brando's own watch. It, he wore it in the movie Apocalypse Now. And in the actual back of the watch, it looks like he himself, with like a knife or something, inscribed the words M. Brando. Now, he kind of custom-made this watch in the sense that he took off the bezel. So it looks a little different. It doesn't even look like a GMT, right? It does have that GMT hand. But he took off the bezel, and he changed the band on it. So he has that kind of waffle-style silicone strap on it. So... Yeah, after the Paul Newman Daytona sold for a record almost $20 million, Brandon, um, um, Marlon Brando's family kind of reached it out to, to one of the watch guys, actually, at Phillips, and said, hey, you know, I want to talk about some prices. What do you think this can fetch? So here's, here's what I want you guys' opinion on. So it sold for $1.9 million. That is very expensive, right? But when compared to the Paul Newman... We're talking a, a significant difference. Paul Newman sold for almost $20 million. This one sold for X amount. Now, I know one of the big differences is that Paul Newman's watch actually started this, this kind of sector in the watch community, right? Because it's the Newman dial. And, and it started this whole thing. This brand of one did not. So I know that's a big difference. But what do you guys think? Do you think the Rolex bubble just bursted and this is kind of it's going to even out? Or what do you guys think? Um, I guess that's the big talk right now, the Rolex bubble bursting. But uh, I mean, shit, one point. What was it? One point seven nine. One point nine. One point nine. Now, P, was that yeah. you? You seen the microwave? Do you have our, our hot pockets ready? Or... <laughs> now, I'm, now I'm making uh green tea. Grow green tea. You know green what I'm yeah, making yeah. green tea. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was urban. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. For everybody listening, I'm sorry. That's so, very, uh, Pete, very zen of you. <laughs> so, oh, so Pete's Damn. urban, I'm urban, but our friend uh, Fred is, what are, what are you? you uh, uh, what, didn't we settle on me being ethnic? You ethnic. ethnic. Yep, he's ethnic. ethnic. Okay. Yeah, okay, people, everybody listening, right. you're listening to the urban and the ethnic uh, podcast here. But he's go on. Mm-hmm. He has $1.9 million. $1.9 million, that's still a lot of money, but compared to the Paul Newman, it's like, uh, 20 million, come on now. Yep, yep. But I would think this would have fetched a whole lot more money just considering that he signed the back of the case itself. How we done it, I don't know. <laughs> Looks like crap, but he did it. <laughs> but, you know, that's his signature. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, he, he the godfather. You know what I mean? So 
I would think that it would have fetched way more than that. But 1.9, that's a whole lot of damn money. It is. Yeah. So, but, but what do you think? Rolex bubbles bursting, in your opinion, Pete? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Because mm-hmm. the prices that came down on a lot of them, haven't they? Mm, they have. I, th- I think they've become a lot more available, too. Yeah. So. But we'll let Fred, the expert here, uh, weigh in and see what he thinks. I mean, I don't profess to be an expert, but I've done two videos now explaining for why certain Rolex models are really expensive. I do think that the Rolex bubble is softening. I don't think bursting. But I don't think that this sale is a reflection of that or pointing to that. Um, there was a really good article on Hodinkee that um, really breaks down like the big auctions um, of Rolexes lately. And you'd be surprised. There's only been 28 Rolexes that have actually sold for more than a million dollars at auction. Mm. Um, so that's not a lot. Most of them selling around sort of the one, 1.5, maybe two max. So like this is kind of within that. Like, you know, the Paul Newman was an outlier. It wasn't like, it's not like, oh, the next, you know, most expensive Rolex after it was 16 million and the Paul Newman was 17. No, like the Paul Newman was a wow. big gap from the next one there. Um, but also what it does really well is it outlines the commonalities between most of these. And the fact of the matter is the Rolexes that sell for crazy money, they're all like all of these other 28, pretty much they're all either Daytonas, chronographs, like pre-Daytona chronographs, or Rolex calendars. So things like the 6062 the annual calendar. I, I'm not sure if it's an annual or if it's just a triple, but um, so like it, those are pretty much the ones that sell for the bananas money you know like there's not the mariners and gmt's really on this list except for a few that have like a rare dial or something like that so in that sense like this is sort of business as usual um you know obviously it sold for a bit more than the average by going at 1.9 million but that so that's definitely very good for a gmt master but it's i wouldn't say this is an indication that the rolex bubble is bursting purely because i think the Rolex bubble is more related to um, steel sports watches that are currently at retail or just discontinued in the last 10, 15 years. Whereas the vintage market and these big auctions, I feel like that's a whole other beast on its own. Um, so in that sense, I don't think it's that, that surprising. But I do think that in general, the Rolex bubble is softening up purely because, like Pete said, you know, prices are going down. There's more available. I think sort of the crazy speculation has sort of reached reached its peak. Um, so hopefully things sort of get back to normal. But I'd say this is still a very good sale, considering that it is sort of outside of the norm or the habit for these auctions that sell a lot. And then one last thing is we just had only watched, what, a month ago, three weeks ago, something like that? Mm-hmm. Right. So you think, you know, the community of people who have this much money to spend on a collectible watch you can probably assume that there's a lot of overlap between those and the super rich. They still, even though they have tons of money, it's not like they can always buy a $17 million watch every month. You know, <laughs> you know what wealth always ends up being relative. And you know, the guy who bought the Patek is probably thinking, Oh shit, you know, maybe I shouldn't buy a watch for like another 10 minutes. So, um, so yeah, so I think definitely that's another factor is that we're measuring it against, you know, this, like the Paul Newman, we're measuring against the Patek that just broke the record again at 30-odd million. Like, those are outliers, and also that just happened. There were tons of other watches sold at only watch. So, like, I think all those factors contribute to it, but in the grand scheme, I think this is just business as usual. I think that's a good price for what it was 
for being something that does have some good prominence by being owned by Marlon Brando, but at the same time, that technically has been damaged by having its dial removed, you know? Right. Yeah. I agree with you, Fred. I don't know much about Rolex bubble or anything, but to me, in my opinion, the way I look at it is just softening. And I I was just really, really, I guess, uh, shock that it sold for 1.9 million i I, were you expecting more yeah i was expecting how much were you expecting let's say 10 maybe a little bit below Mm. i mean that that would have been kind of fair but 1.9 to give you an idea the next so after the fall movement i'm just looking at this article on hodinkee right now which you should all check out if you want to know more about this so after the fall movement the next most expensive one Paul Newman sold for $17 million. Next most expensive one sold in May 2017. So just a few months before the Paul Newman. That was a 6062. So that was the one with the triple calendar on it. That sold for 5 million francs, which is about 5 million US. Mm-hmm. So, so that's a big drop. Um, then from there, you have one that's at 3.7. Um, another one that's at 2.5. And then the rest are all sub 2 million. So wow. Like mm. ten million for a watch is a lot. It's still a lot even within this these circles, you know. So leave. That's pretty insane. Well, I mean that's my take on it, but uh, I don't know. And to be honest with you, just just me personally, I don't think it looks that good without the GMT vessel. I don't I don't know what you guys think, but it's it's not a it's not a nice looking watch. At least the Newman one's pretty cool, but this one I. I you know, I don't know with the signature in the back and everything. It's just that you got to be a Marlin uh, Brando fan, I guess. But yeah, I'm, I'm, absolutely, yeah, I guess. But all right, uh, did uh, did y'all ever see the first Rolex he got? No, no, um, in 19, 1943 from his parents, it was a Rolex Oyster Royal Royal Like Observatory, hmm. I think. And if if you look at that, it, it can, the bezel kind of resembles that. Well, apparently he took off the, the GMT bezel because he thought it looked too luxury. He thought it like it right. didn't match. Um, <laughs> seriously, right. he thought it didn't match like his character, you know. Right, uh, but if you look right. at the observatory, it looked kind of like the same thing. You know what I mean? And yeah. his parents gave him that, so must be nice. <laughs> well, I guess Rolex wasn't overpriced how it is now. I mean, it's always been expensive, but it's not what it is now. Now to get right. a Rolex, you gotta be you gotta be pretty well off. <laughs> right. You can't well I think things. like in the sixties it was a guy who bought a, a Rolex uh I wanna say a, a day just for about a hundred some dollars. Yeah like their retails were in the hundreds. Yeah. I mean, obviously like you got it just for inflation, but yeah. still like and- definitely proportionally much cheaper than they are now. No, of course, right. because even if you adjust for inflation, I mean, you, you, let's say a hundred bucks back then was how much our time now? Four hundred bucks? No, probably a little bit no, less. Probably more. Really? I think so. Hell yeah! Huh. Because I think it, the watch he got now, the watch uh, I think it's worth maybe like ten, twelve thousand dollars. Yeah, I think like because yeah. in the sixties or something like that, you could buy a Jaguar E Type. I think for like four thousand bucks. Right. So. Hmm. Hmm. I'm just trying to do a little Google search right here. All right. Twitter fingers. Twitter fingers. Twitter fingers. Check this out. So $300 in 1960 is equivalent to $2,600 now. There you go. That's what I'm saying. Okay, that's what I'm saying, guys. Now check it out. 
you're going to tell me that you could walk into a Rolex AD right now and get a brand new Rolex for 2600 bucks? Nope. No. No way. This is what I'm saying. Rolex has just gone up and it's super expensive. It's like back in the days, yeah, this was expensive, but it's not what it is now. I mean, it's just crazy. Like I just, at my pick, Rolex Datejust 36, I mean, almost $10,000 for that. It's insane. I mean, you got to consider that Rolex has had since that time 50, 60 years of adding value to its brand. You know? Yeah, but that's that's a lot of value added. <laughs> I don't but know, they man. Gotten better. They've no, gotten of course. better. Other other brands have, you know, left. Rolex is integrated more into it. Like you can understand why it's gotten there. Or like how it got there. But um it's still expensive. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> for sure. Well we got Three or four more things to cover. We're one hour in. Let's move on to the Auras. Uh, is it the big crown, the the big pointer date bronze? Yeah. What what do you what do you guys think about that? Um, I actually like it. I was looking on eBay and then I saw a vintage Auras that kind of resembled this one that I was actually gonna get, but it was a Franken watch, so I didn't get it. So. Those are coming but, from India or Philippines. No offense to those countries, but typically all those mm, modified ones, they come from those. No, nah, it was it was actually someone here mm, in the states. Maybe he got it from yeah. there. Then. <laughs> right, right. No, by the you way, Pete, I mean? the the big the, the this specific one, the big pointer date was actually introduced in 1938. So that's why it's okay. been floating around. I think what makes yeah. this one so different is the fact that it's all completely bronze, and then the dial is kind of like a chocolate dial. Right. Um. Yeah. That's that's the difference now. Movement, of course, they went with the with the Auris 754, which is based on a Salita SW2-00-1, uh, which they kind of modified, and that's kind of the, the base caliber used in the rest of the collection. Um, now, to break it down, we're looking at 40 millimeters, brown dial, gold hands with the red uh, uh, little paint at the tip of the second hand. Uh, it does come with a travel pouch, uh, which is super cool, leather strap, and it's around $2,000. So I think Oris is a great value proposition. In my opinion, I hate bronze. It looks super cool when it's brand new, but the minute that it patinas, especially to the point where it almost turns black, it looks horrible. Not only that, but what if it creates so much, I don't I don't know, mold? You want to call it mold mm-hmm. around the crown and everything? Like, what's going to happen? Like, nobody really knows what's going to happen in the future. And what do you what do you have to do? You're gonna keep polishing out the bronze just so it can look nice and shiny. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. And I know there's crazy people on the internet uh, wanting to age this thing, so they put vinegar and egg. And I'm like, oh god, all right, I'm that's not that's not for me. But what do you think, Fred? Um, I think it's cool. The styling itself is not quite my cup of tea, but that's more just my opinion. Speaking objectively, I think it looks nice. It clearly sort of matches, you know, the sort of vintage look they wanted to go for but what i like the most about it is actually the strap it's got that cool sort of texture to it yeah um, mm-hmm. yeah that's strapped a bomb i like that the dial yeah. is really nice too i don't know if you guys like saw the dial it looks incredible yeah yeah the dial coloration is cool i'd be curious to see what that dial would look like for example with just a normal steel case um oh yeah but yeah, yeah you're right but yeah probably from this specific model honestly what i like the most is the strap um, the rest of it doesn't do too much for me, but uh, but, I'll, but I'll openly admit my bias. Like the style of the Oris Big Crown isn't really my cup of tea in general. Yeah, I you know that 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 cathedral could 
cathedral, sorry, I can't even say that word, uh, hand, our hand, reminds me of the Alpinist, right? The Seiko Alpinist. I mean, this is kind of like at a glance, I'm like, oh, is that Seiko Alpinist? <laughs> yeah. No, Ornus is cool, though. I mean, I, I've never owned one, but definitely a respectable brand, especially remember, P, we talked about the, the Pro Pilot X. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, uh-huh. that's, that's awesome. I still want to see right. one of those. Uh, those things look Awesome. One thing I love about ours is that they're honest on their website about their movies. They are. They'll <laughs> say which one is a Salida. They'll say which one is in-house. Like, they will they don't, like, put their own little, like, name and, like, sort of hide the fact that it's not in-house. They'll openly say it based on Salida SW200. Yeah. Nice and open. I like right. that. Right. Yeah, that's cool. No, Oris is good. Good in our book, right? It's a good entry yes, sir. To, the Swiss, uh, to the Swiss world. Um, then next, we're going to talk about Nomos for Houdinki. What do, what do you guys uh, think about that? It was a limited, so let me break it down. It was a limited limited release, of course, for Houdinki, 300 pieces. Uh, it sold out already, so don't even bother if you if you like it. It was 2400 bucks, 2450 And basically, they, they called it the Tangentis Board. It was a 36.5 millimeter uh, watch, 7.5 millimeter thick, which is super, super thin. Stainless steel, uh, manually wound uh, alpha caliber. It's chronometer certified, 100 meters water resistant. It, awesome, awesome dial. It's like this dark gray dial uh, with the with the blued hands. Super Luminova, and uh, it's it's called the Nomos first bracelet that it came on, and it has the my fit one of my favorite complications and I'll watch is the small seconds at the bottom it has uh, that that little circle at the bottom. It's just incredible i i think who dinkies is killing it i mean they are just a money-making machine and that's i i don't typically like nomos bauhaus design is just not my cup of tea but that specific model just rocks i mean that thing's beautiful what do you what do you guys think i mean i like the way the dial is just simplified you know what i mean it's just out there you know what i mean the blue uh Second hands, iron hand, and the minute hand. Oh my god, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. blue is the bomb. Can you imagine the how bracelet, it plays with the light? Oh. Right, but the bracelet. Mm-hmm. I love the bracelet. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love. It. I, lo- I actually like this. I like. This. Oh my p, you're killing me, man. <laughs> what? So you okay? So you don't like yeah, the bracelet on the three hundred on the Omega Seamaster three hundred no, because no, you think no. it looks too, whatever. Yeah. But I like this. I like this one. You know what I mean? You know. Uh, Damn. I don't know what to tell you, Miguel. Uh, <laughs> you know. Your opinion, man. I mean, I think it, it it fits well with the design of the watch, for sure. I agree. You don't see many nomoses on bracelets, so this kind of suits the look of it. Um, Thank you, Fred. I, like, I'm not saying I like it, but it definitely suits it. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I would like it for me, but I can't deny it, it suits the watch. Um, and it's just like the design of the rest of the watch. Honestly, the first thing I thought of when I looked at this um, was actually the Rolex Yachtmaster, the one two double six twenty two with the ruthenium dial and the light blue hand. Like it's the same colorway, but obviously this looks completely different design wise. I think it's cool. I think it's interesting. I like the numerals. Um, I definitely agree with Miguel. Small seconds is something that is so underrated and, in my opinion, underused. 
like so many dials can look so much better just by putting a small seconds in there. Yes, yes. Yeah, you know, sure. vintage Omega Seamasters with the small seconds because I had one. It was so elegant. Oh my goodness, so yeah. elegant. Or um, the Cartier Collegiate Cartier Diver. That one with its small seconds. It just that plus its triple date. It looks sick, and like it's still just a time and date watch, but it's just a cooler way to display simple information, and I like yeah. it. And I got a Hamilton smile second, and it's great. I love it. So cool, cool. Well, last thing on our list here, uh, Casio out of Basel World twenty twenty. We we kind of saw this coming, not specifically from Casio, but we know Basel World is is on a uh, on on its way out, or they they need to really do something if they want to kind of salvage it. But uh, what do you guys take on it? This is the second time, uh, it, you know, in a short period of time that. A, a big Japanese powerhouse uh, pulls out of basketball. That was uh, Se- Grand Seiko, right? And Seiko not yeah. too long ago. And mm-hmm. now, now these guys, what, what do you guys think? I had kind of thought about this. Like, I think the more and more you really think about it, it makes sense because uh, with companies pulling out, they could put on their own events for like their own fans and fanboys. And it's just strictly them. You know what I mean? You don't have to worry about going here going there and you just go right here to get this product and check it out yeah you know what i mean um i think the more and more people do that the more value people gonna see that you know basil world is irrelevant yeah that's what i think you yeah. know so um i don't know what basil world could do to change it but shit i mean this this isn't surprising like I've only been, like, into watches and paying attention, like, watches and all that for, what, a bit over a year now? And I'm already numb to the stories of XYZ leaves Basel World. It's like, someone leaves <laughs> Basel World every other month, you know? Um, and honestly, the concept in 2019, at least, I don't think makes any sense whatsoever. You know, why would you put on a show for your wholesalers? Yeah. Like, they, they don't need to, like, see a show and be impressed. They know what they're buying. You know, they just need a catalog, a few pictures online. So, like, I just never understood the reason as to why they put on this big show just for their wholesalers. You know, it doesn't make sense. It's not like the Geneva Auto Show, which is to the buying public. Right. You know, that's where you want to put on the big show and all the theater and all that. But Basel World didn't really cater to the public. So, I'm not surprised. I think, honestly, Basel World needs to sort of reassess its priorities and maybe consider a option to the public so they can at least somehow be relevant and have something to offer because I think their vendors are perfectly fine just looking at a catalog and saying all right cool we've we know these watches this is nice these are the specs this is what it costs we'll just order it via email you know yeah. one, thing, one thing I'd be curious though is because Seiko and Grand Seiko pulled out Casio's pulled out now as well I wonder if there's going to be like a Japanese equivalent to Basel World in the near future <laughs> Like with them sort of teaming up in the same way that like you know Alf's Watch Group pulled out and did its own sort of event. I wonder if um, I wonder if uh, the Japanese manufacturers are going to do something similar and you know bring some watch tourism to Japan. I know Grand Seiko's actually doing something in 2020, like their own summit or something. So I don't know what it's called, but I I, I heard about that. Also, um, I know Grand Seiko. I don't know if you guys saw this. So they released this uh, Grand Seiko kind of Godzilla watch right yeah so they that have is this... a cool watch what's that that is such a cool watch i love the grand it is Seiko it is a cool watch 
Well, they, they had this event here in LA. I don't know if you guys saw a bunch of influencers got flown out and it was a cool event. They had Godzilla dancing and Japanese stuff. And I mean, they put on a really good show. And I think that's what you need to do. That's what brands need to do. They need to get on social media. They need to just, just do guerrilla marketing and just get on the ground, talk to their people, go to Red Bar events, go to all these different events, pass their watches around. That's, that's how you're going to get people to love your brand, not going to Basel World and being, you know, all snobby yeah. and everything. This just doesn't, that's why it failed. Because people are spending, they, they see it, right? They're like, hey, we're spending millions upon millions of dollars to fly people there. The displays are super expensive. And then who shows up? Just like you said, just say ADs. It's like, no, you need to be talking to your public directly. We live mm-hmm. in an era now where you yeah. need to speak direct to consumers, not not what you're doing. That's why I failed. And it just yeah. completely makes sense, you know? So Two brands that I think do really well in that are... Um... Grand Seiko, like you said, with that Godzilla event, I think was was it Theon Harris or maybe ten, uh, Teddy Baldassar, one or the other of them. They Theon Harris on that event. Yeah, and, it was um, Theon Harris. Yeah, but uh, two other brands that do that really well is Richard Mille and Panerai. Like mm. both of them, they like Panerai puts on like events and stuff like around like scuba diving and all this stuff. That's like that's cool. so on brand and it engages the community. And Richard Mille, the same thing, like the man himself literally goes out there and meets with his customers. I mean, obviously he's selling much more expensive watches, but yeah. you think of what they spend on Basel world. They could easily set up events much cheaper and much more direct to consumer. And that's before you can oh, yeah. just doing online stuff, you know, that's cool. Well, that's, that's something that I do appreciate about like micro brands. <laughs> I, I always kind of tend to hate on, on them for, for the reason that they don't have heritage and all this, but I do appreciate how hungry they are and how, eager they are to meet with people i know monta recently did an event um and they brought a bunch of people right ten and two were there and other people were there so that's what you need to do you need to just go back to your roots and and direct to consumers i mean that's what rolex was all about right that's what the that's what the guy wanted he wanted people to have a good watch and and he just got to put it in people's hands and and let them look at it let them play with it don't send them to basel world and (laughs) this doesn't make sense Right, and, and I think like they they really missing out on the social media monster for sure. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. Like you know, and the thing about social media is totally free. It is. You know what I mean. Like you know, why not hop on that? Yeah, and even like if all you, these other brands is doing. Well, even if you spend money, and I know Fred, you you do this all day. This is your job, but you you buy ads on Facebook or whatever, and and it's not millions of dollars like Basketball World is, right? So. <laughs> Yeah, and you get so much more from it. Like, obviously, I understand that at the end of the day, the people who buy from most of these brands is the ADs. Correct. But I think the problem is they're spending all this money on doing unnecessary marketing to ADs. You know, what feeds the ADs is the public. It's us, so like, right? Correct. I feel like they're just marketing to the wrong people. You know, their yeah. ADs are already established, they already know what they want. You know, you just need to create the demand. Yeah, honestly, social media is where it's at. Influencers, you know, people like us, right? People on YouTube, Instagram. I mean, they, we we are the people. We are influencing people with our thousands of subscribers. Uh, but oh yeah, <laughs> but well, I think cool. collectively we cracked a thousand. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think so. I, yeah, I you think know so. what? I was just about to say that too. <laughs> like, 
You know what's so crazy? I've been getting messages from people just like DMs and, and random things on my YouTube channel, and I've I've heard it more than once. And I'm not I'm not trying to like be a, 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 a show offy or anything, but people have told me they're like, "What the heck? Like, I can't believe you don't have more subscribers, and I can't either, and and you too as well." You right. know, it's like we put so much time and effort into what we do, and it just doesn't make sense that us as YouTubers, I don't I don't know what it is, but we don't have more subscribers. So anybody listening, help us out. It means the world <laughs> to us because hey, we we do this for people to actually look at the video and enjoy it so when when we only get 40 views or 200 views or what less than a thousand views it, it how do you how do you guys think we feel about it you know we we definitely want people to to look at our youtube channel and furthermore this podcast and one of the things that i that i realized and p realized is that if you go to let's say uh, the apple podcast app and you pull up our our show there's only one review on there with 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 the rating so that tr- helps us out tremendously because we're going to get more traction and the more traction you get with well, the more shows we can bring to you guys because you know we're all taking times out of our out of our schedule so i i uh i ask you uh, i urge you it's a, it's a favor for all of us go to the show or wherever you listen google or apple or whatever it, it just takes a minute less than a minute leave a little feedback uh whether it be good bad funny we'll give you a shout out you know and then Give us five stars if you don't mind, or two stars, or whatever. But obviously, five stars is kind of what what we strive for. But yeah, we 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 want to ask you for that, and also our channel, right, Fred? Where where can they find your YouTube channel? They can find me at YouTube slash Saluso, or just search Saluso in the search bar, um, and Instagram also at Saluso, Facebook slash Saluso. I think y'all are noticing a pattern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of <laughs> course. on everything. <laughs> now, Fred, where, I mean, uh, P, where, where can they find you? Your YouTube channel, your Instagram? Ross Wristwatch Love on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, everywhere. Yeah. And then me, SoCal Watch Reviews on YouTube and on Instagram. And then this, of course. So, yeah, go support us. It means the world to us. We do this as a hobby. But at the end of the day, we want to get views and we want to get subscribers to build on this community. And hopefully, we could get big enough to where maybe somehow we could go to an event or or could keep collaborating with people believe me in 2020 p and i got some people lined up very excited about that we just had dm tiffany in the in the last show that was super cool guy that makes his own watches out in his garage so that's that's cool but before we close we always do a thing of course uh other things than watches so let, let, let's talk about it uh fred you're the guest what let's talk other things what, what do you got for us what do you recommend what you do? I actually have just very recently uh, rediscovered the Rocky series. Like, oh, okay. Just before getting on this podcast, mm. so it's a funny story. So I was, so I mentioned on the last podcast, I started going to the gym now about three weeks ago, <laughs> and um, and you know, like, so like I was just listening to my playlist, and this song called "The Champ" by Ghostface Killer came on, mm-hmm. and um, and the intro, he's like. You know, you haven't been this hungry since Supreme Clientele, you know. This guy yeah. is hungry. Uh-huh. He's an animal, you know. Um, and that was obviously like a paraphrasing of what Mickey said in Rocky Three, talking right. about Mr. T's character, Club Lang, and, you know, saying how, like, Rocky is, like, washed up and, you know, he has lost sort of the eye of the tiger, all that. And that got me thinking. I was like, well, you know, I should watch that movie again. Rocky Three, I feel like, is a bit underrated in the Rocky series. It's one of my favorites, and it's, Oh, like, yeah. 
unashamedly 80s. So, like, <laughs> Adrian. So, so I, just, I just started watching that. And fuck, they're good movies, man. They're really good movies. I guess a big oh, yeah. question, Fred, is are you going to hmm. go punch meats now? Are you going to go to uh, to your nearest No, that, was, that was Rocky One. That was Rocky One. So, no, no butcher shops for me. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. Cool. Nice. Pete? Well, I've been following um this recent hip hop beef oh, all week. No, uh, no, Pete, don't go there. I know where you. I know where you're I'm, going. I'm, 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 I'm going there. No, Eminem and Nick Cannon. Oh, that's God. not even a thing, Pete. That's not even it is, a thing. It, it is a thing, man. Nick Cannon is on top right no, now. No, no, no. I'm trying to tell you that little verse Eminem did on Fat Joe's album. It was okay, but. Nick Cannon went back to back with two tracks, and Eminem ain't responded yet. Uh, I feel like Nick Cannon must have been like just saving those from like the last time this sort of happened, right? Them. Yeah, uh huh. And you know, Nick Cannon doing it, you know, and the Black Squad, you know, they doing it. No, they are, but like, I feel like it's it's almost a fool's errand because like Eminem's like legacy is like cemented enough. It's not like someone can come and jar roll him. Let alone Nick Cannon, you know. <laughs> no, I, I don't. Nick Cannon can't destroy Eminem. I don't yeah. think Eminem can destroy Nick Cannon. But my but thing, the is thing like, is, is there much of Nick Cannon to destroy? Like as a rapper, like <laughs> he's destroying himself. Not, not, <laughs> not, 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 not as a rapper. But you know, Nick Cannon getting paper. Yeah, you see oh, what man, I'm saying. So it's, benefiting. So <laughs> like, as far as that, like you know, what I'm saying there's nothing that either one could do to either one to like break them or. Yeah, fold them. You see what I'm saying? Nah, so I don't know. But what what I really like about it is is that Nick Cannon is not stepping down and he's standing up. Yeah, you know what oh, I mean. Definitely. When when you know, well, you got to give him his respect. But I honestly feel like you're kind of siding with uh, what's that guy's name? Charlemagne? Charlotte? What? Nah, Charlemagne the God? I ain't, I ain't siding with Charlemagne. <laughs> what I'm saying? Nah, for real. Like if you look at Eminem's battle history, like he have jumped. A lot of people, him, 50 Cent, Exhibit, Busta Ramp, all these guys that done tracks like that. And I hear people saying, oh, why, why they jumping Eminem? It's the same shit Eminem that done. You know what yeah. I mean? So, you know, it's just some fun hip-hop shit. You know what I mean? And I'm rolling with uh, Nick Cannon. Nah, man. Just and listening to Eminem's lyrics, they're just on a different level. Every single thing that he jumps on and the ciphers that he does, I mean, yeah, a battle's a different thing. There's just no way they're going to stand in front of a crowd in a stage and do a battle like that. So to be honest with you, all these battles that they do, everything's written and they get help or whatever. But Eminem is just a genius. I mean, the way that he plays with words and some of the things that he says, he has like triple entendres or whatever they're called. And it's just incredible. And Nick Cannon, I'm sorry, I just I take him as a joke. He looks like the old Aunt Jemima with the thing on his head. And it's just like, I don't know what the hell that guy's doing. It's like a joke. You look like Aladdin or like the genie. <laughs> this is ridiculous, man. Really? Like, really? Bad, yeah, man. Really? 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 It's like a really? Nick Cannon like, is real over on Miguel. So. I don't like Yo, Nick I'm, Cannon as I'm a person. Trying to tell, I'm trying to tell you, if you listen to the songs, man, you got to listen to the two tracks. I'll, I'll listen to them. I'll give you that, P. I'll listen L- to them. Listen I to the two tracks. I don't want to waste my right. time. I'd rather I watch like, it. Is that at least they're keeping it on music? Like, not it's not a fucking like Twitter, Instagram beef. Like that's right. one thing I miss. Of like, remember back in like sort of like the early two thousands. Like, if two people were beefing, they would just make a bunch of diss tracks. Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and just meant mm-hmm. more music, which was great. Yeah, you know? 
Or Jay-Z, Nas. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Tupac, Biggie. I mean, come on, you know? But I'll, I'll, give it a, I'll give it a listen. Yeah. I'll give it a listen. I, I, I know that I, I still don't agree with you that you said that Machine Gun Kelly won that battle. I think yeah, I, I, think, I, I murdered think, him. I think Machine Gun Kelly got it. Man, and, I, I and, that, man. and I'm not. I'm an Eminem fan. I don't even like Machine Gun Kelly like that, but I thought Machine Gun Kelly got it. No, right, M- cool. Eminem ain't the same, man. It's something up. He just ain't the same to me. It's becoming the too corporate. He's gotten so big that anyone that he messes with, he's just giving them free publicity. Like, yes, right. mess- yes, yes. Because like, there's no one who's on his level to actually challenge him. So it's like he just ends up turning everyone into an underdog and they just I, get free publicity off it. I think it's a lot of rappers that are in his caliber. But those particular rappers, Eminem don't approach like he approached people like Nick Cannon. Because or... they respect him. That's why. Because people respect him. He's like the holy trinity, right? Not trinity, but he's up there in the holy grails of... But there are a couple beefs that he avoided. He avoided a beef with Nas. Yeah. And he didn't want a beef with Nas. But that's you see what I'm saying? Who, that's, again, someone who like can challenge him, just like you said. And also, right. like, Legacy wise, like you know, it's Nas. Like, right? And, but that's Eminem what I'm trying to say. Want to look, go there. Yeah, if you look at most of these, like these last few, they've just been like small fries. So, like I said, they end up winning by virtue of the publicity he gives them because his legacy yes. and his publicity is so big right. that he's shining light on them. Whereas, like, if you look at something ver- like Fifty Cent versus Ja Rule, Fifty Cent was the underdog and he still won out of that. Oh yeah, you know? yeah. for sure. And Eminem's involvement was in that was just like you no. Know, like giving the assist, he wasn't running point on that. Right, right. Got it. All right, cool. That, that was a good little uh, nugget there. Thanks, Pete. <laughs> well, what I I, I just want to end on, on, on something really simple. So I finished the craft and tailored um, piece that I was doing from for all all of you listening out there in the graffiti world, uh, a drawing like that with somebody's name and call it a piece. So I finished it. It's on a canvas. Collectively, took me probably between 10 to 12 hours. So really excited to hand deliver it to him. Uh, if you haven't checked out the Craft and Tailored uh, YouTube channel, go check it out. The guy features some amazing watches. The latest one was a Monaco, um, a vintage one, an original one. He had it on a bracelet. And he just kind of dice into the history in such a fun way. I'm excited to go meet the guy, see his shop, maybe check out some cool watches. So I'll, I'll film that for everybody. I'll put it on YouTube. And yeah, uh, yeah I'm going to be geek- now you are doing a video on the um the piece you made, right? Yeah, yeah. So okay, I'll cool, tie it all cool. in. I'll, I'll show people what I did. I, I, obviously, it's not watches, but there is a little piece of there's a little nugget in there. I don't think Cam is listening to this, but I'll I'll tell you kind of what I did right now in this podcast. So I decided to tie it in. I'm like, how the heck am I going to tie in my graffiti into this watch thing? Should I draw a watch? Should I make it super obvious? Should, I'm like, you know what? I'm not. I'm going to do something so subtle that. I know Cam is going to know, and if he doesn't, I'll explain to him on there. So his name, obviously, is Cameron, right? So there's an O in there. So I'm like, what if instead of me drawing an O, I just put, I, I uh, get a picture of the Mercedes hand from a Mercedes, from a, from a Rolex watch and kind of put it there instead of the O. So I kind of tied it in that way. So it says Cameron, but the O is actually the Mercedes hand from the Rolex. And I just have his logo on top. So it's just very subtle, very simple. That way it's a nod to, like, I know you're a watch collector and I know you're a Rolex lover. That's kind of, that's what it is. You know what I mean? So I, I right think on. that's super cool. I did that. And then I want to give a shout out to two people 
that um, have been listening to the podcast reached out to to us and gave us props. One of them is a really good friend of mine that I know since high school. His name is Steve. He's actually here in Orange County. He's never been into watches, but lately he's been buying actually Seiko. So he's been calling me and kind of recommendations. He's gone for the quartz models for some chronographs, uh, you know, and that's what he likes. He likes kind of like the big faces or whatever, but he didn't want to spend his money on just on a Daniel Wellington. So he's like, what should I get? So I told him that. And actually he's been <coughs> listening to the podcast. He'll hit me up. He'll text me. He'll be like, Hey, that was funny. Or, you know, who would, what would you guys do or whatever? So I want to give him a shout out. And actually he is a professional videographer. There's amazing, amazing videos on his Instagram account. If you go check him out, it's anomaly. That's A N O M A L Y dot X I I I. So anomaly 30, I guess, but super cool. High end, videos that he does for for people and no watches there but just go check it out really really cool videos and then another person that has been listening to the show and started following me on instagram is a doctor an actual doctor and he goes by the handle of dr watcher man so d-r-w-a-t-c-h-e-r-m-a-n dr watcherman if you go to his Instagram account, it's pretty cool. All his wrist shots, a lot of them are in the actual hospital or like when he's doing like a, a infrared or whatever, you guys, ultrasound or something. Mm. He has like a, a JLC and, and all these heavy hitting watches. And he sent out a message basically saying, hey, I've been listening to your podcast. It's been getting better and better. Keep it up, you guys. So that was super exciting. Thank cool. you so much. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I got. Another thing, just wanted to give the shout outs and yeah, we're super excited. 2020 is coming. Hope you guys enjoyed this uh, episode, um, episode 14, season two. Any closing thoughts, guys? Nick Cannon. (laughs) Come on, Pete. Okay, Fred, you got to end this on a better note than that. Come on. (laughs) I I, I can't top that. Oh God! All I right, was well. actually just running in my head just who else is Eminem beef with, and I can't come up with anyone who matches him for lyrics, publicity, and sales. There at is the time nobody. There is them. nobody. Yeah, yeah. There is nobody. Well, so, that's on... podcasting itself. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that on that note, I uh, hope you guys enjoyed. Thank you so much, Fred P. My pleasure, uh, my pleasure. For everybody out there, Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays, and hopefully this this list we put together helps um and if not hey shoot us a dm and we could uh we could help you out i guess you know we could all get together and, and recommend something depending on your budget so so yeah absolutely thank, thank you guys right. appreciate it peace and, and as always friends Later. all right stay humble <laughs>